Hey, this is Chris Torres. I'm the youth pastor here at Embrace Fellowship Church, and this is the Embrace Students Podcast. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. I hope that you can enjoy today's message. So, fully transparent. I'm going to be fully transparent before I start, just because I feel burdened. Um, this week, it's um, this week, how do I say it? Um, I have not, like, as I was preparing, because I preached today and I preached Sunday, um, I was actually telling Leah um, that, like, the enemy, when in your greatest spiritual accomplishments, you'll see that before and after he actually tries to attack you the most because he knows that you are, one, the most vulnerable, and two, he's trying to attack you because you're about to do the greatest things for God. So why I say that is, um, if I seem a little off or if I seem a little um, different than usual, it's not because of one thing or another. It's just from my own, from my own place. But so when I pray for this, it's not going to just be some random prayer just that I say because I'm supposed to do that. It's going to be a prayer from my heart. And I pray that wherever you are right now, wherever you're standing, whether you're broken or whether you're filled, whether you're restored or whether you're separated, the way how you feel, that you'd pray with me. Because um, the reality is, is that this life is a real testament of God's goodness, but also Satan's biggest distractions. Um, so with that being said, if you don't know me, I am Ben. Uh, I always introduce myself as uh, I'm the young adults leader, I guess you'd say. That sounds like I'm a cult leader. But <laughs> either way, um, I do. I help out with the young adults here. And then my wife and I, you've probably seen me sweating through my mic and jumping on, top, on stage. If you've ever been here on a Sunday, I'm always sweating. I'm probably sweating right now. I actually am. Okay. Um, so this week, Oh man, this week is going to, I'm excited for what God has for me because um, I think it'll touch our lives in different ways because I'm going to be talking about peer pressure, but I'm going to be talking about in a format or in a way that's not just about someone saying, hey, you should do this, but it's a matter of pressure of peers, the pressure that we receive from not just people in our circle, but people in marketing, such as social media, pr pressure that we see from things like YouTube videos or things that we see that we process in our minds and don't realize that there's pressure in our immediate circle, but there's also pressure in our everyday life. If we're scrolling through social media, if we see something on TV or whatever, there's pressure everywhere for us to conform to a certain idea or to a certain image. And typically, especially in the outer world, outside of Christian ideas, I guess you'd say, usually they're not of God. Usually they are self-indulging. Usually they are about us or about some type of self-help, whatever, because God isn't good enough. So I'm going to be talking about that today. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be using, um, <clears throat> sorry, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Uh, that would be my main scripture. I usually read and then read scripture, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. I need prayer right now. I need to pray. And I, need, I hope that y'all would pray too. So y'all pray with me. Um, gracious God, King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord God, whether we have been the most faithful, it seems like we've ever been in our, our lives, or we haven't even thought about you this week. Lord God, I pray that you would meet us where we are, that we wouldn't just sit where we are when we meet you, God, but that we would meet you and then we'd walk with you changed. We'd walk with you restored. God, that even if we are 12, 13, 17, 16, however old we are, Lord God, that we would remember it is not about the age, but it is about the understanding, the spiritual understanding of who Jesus is. 
you had several leaders, God, lead your country, lead your people, the people of Israel, age eight, age 16, I think age 11 as well, something along the lines of that. Lord God, it's not about age, but it's about he who has ears, let them hear. I pray, God, that in your goodness that you would show us what it means to follow Jesus, God, that we would not look to the world, but that we would look to you, God, to guide us, because the world offers no hope. The world offers no hope. Be with us. Encourage us, Lord God, as we look to see how Jesus can change us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, I'm going to be reading out of Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. If you have your Bibles or if you have your phones or if you have your, I don't know, I don't know what's more far advanced than a phone as in this time, but as far as having a Bible. So Ephesians 4, 17. So Paul is talking about now he, he, the first three chapters of Ephesians are basically what Christ did and how we were dead in our sin and how he has redeemed us through grace. And the last four, five, and sixth chapter are how we should live. So he, start, he says right here, so I say this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. We're going to go back to that one point. <clears throat> they are darkened in their understanding, being alienated or separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Because they are callous, they have given themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So they're just, I mean, they're just indulging in all things that are not Good, but you did not learn about Christ like this. If indeed you heard him, I'm sorry, if, you indeed, if indeed you heard about him and were taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus. You were taught with reference to your former way of life to lay aside the old man who is being corrupted in accordance with deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and be put on the new man who's been created in God's image in righteousness and holiness that comes from truth. Bear with me. I know it's long, but there's a reason I'm reading it all. Reading it, reading it all. Therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must steal no longer. Instead, he must labor doing good with his own hands so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. You must not let unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial of the building up of one in need, that it would give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You must put away all bitterness, anger, wrath, quarreling, and slanderous talk Indeed, all malice, instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So we're talking about peer pressure. So I always like to start with the story. Chris actually taught me this method because it kind of eases into the topic or whatever, just kind of connect with you a little bit. Now, peer pressure. I am really bad about peer pressure in a lot of different ways. I have, um, I have my wonderful support system of friends who anytime someone does something and I'll say, I swear I'm gonna, and you know what they say? They don't say, no, don't do it. They say, they say, you won't. And what do I have to do? I have to do it. Sometimes I back out because I try to spare other people or myself. Um, like a couple of days ago, uh, I was, we were texting and 
I was going to flame Brie. I mean, I was going to roast her because she was capping on me and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people roasting me in every situation possible. And I said, all right, I'm going to roast you. And then they said, you won't. I said, no, the person receiving it has to say you won't. And she said, you won't. And I was like, and I just walked away. I was like, I'm, I'm going to hurt her feelings if I do this. So, so I never told you all that. So, yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was a whole thing, right? But so by my testimony and by my physical appearance, if you don't know me, I love food. So much food. I eat all the time. Actually, for my visual aid today, I was going to get two honey buns and show you how fast I can eat them. But I told Chris that if I eat more than one sweet a week outside of like a normal meal, that I owe him a box of ammo and I don't have money to be giving him that. So here we are. But, but, but God is good. Um, so why this, why I say this is a lot of times I like to eat very fast, like, like 10 chicken nuggets in 45 seconds fast. Like, um, because, <laughs> because of this, sometimes I'll give myself a good challenge and will tell, and they'll tell me you won't. And like I said, it's rare I back down. Now, I had a video up here that I was going to show. I forgot to send it. There's a video of me. We were at Denny's. And I had all, like, you know, I, I don't know how, how many of y'all have been to Denny's? Y'all go there frequently? I love Denny's. I don't care what anybody says. Shut up. All right. Denny's has pretty sizable pancakes, right? So I had a fourth of a pancake left. And so, you know, two of them. And instead of eating it normally, like a normal human being, our friend Corey said, you won't. And I ate the entire two-fourths of a pancake from Denny's. Like, that's a lot. Again, I just scarfed it. Boom, gone. Craziest thing ever. But how do you think I would have felt? Do you think I would have been as, as inclined had someone not said for me to do it? If I was by myself at Denny's, do you think I would have looked at my plate and said, you know what, I really need to eat two-fourths of a pancake in one sitting, in one go? Maybe I would have had the desire, but the influence would have, wouldn't have been there. Think about it. How often had you made a bad choice because a small desire, a curiosity, then ended up, oh, that bred from, I'm sorry. How often have you had a small desire to do something and then somebody influenced it more so? The truth is, a small desire can turn into an action based on your influence. For example... If I have a desire to lose weight and no one's with me, I probably won't lose weight. I may do it. I may, that small desire may cultivate into my own intrinsic motivation, my inside motivation. But say if I have Chris and Aaron and James and my wife and friends, and they say, you should, you should lose weight. You should do it. But while we're going to hold you accountable, how much more am I going to be influenced to do that? See, the thing is, we don't realize that influence is so much deeper than just someone saying, hey, you should do this. We are influenced every day. You got to think about it. How many of y'all know what marketing is? I don't know if marketing, marketing is basically advertisement in the smallest sense. What is the point of advertising? If you see a, a, an advertisement, advertisement for Target, first of all, I don't go to Target. Target's expensive. I'm broke, okay? I don't go to Target. I go to Walmart, and then Chris and Aaron put me on Aldi, changed my life. I got saved after that. Like, crazy. The thing is, why do they have commercials? Because they're trying to influence or convince me to go to Target. The same thing is in our spiritual lives. It could be on surface level. Oh, you don't have to go to church on Sunday. It's fine. Come with us to 
So, oh, you don't have to read your Bible this morning. Come with us. Why do you pray for your food? It's just food. We're just hanging out. It's the small things. It's the small influences that can lead to a bigger action. If I have influence on influence on influence on influence stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked, eventually I'm gonna, it's going to become a big influence. Now, the thing is, though, is that a lot of times we think that influence, like if you think of you've been peer pressured to do something, we think of, oh, I've, you know, peer pressured to drink or peer pressured to look at this, uh, lustfully at someone or to peer pressure to smoke or go to this party or this. No, it could also be you're on social media <clears throat> and you see someone else that looks better than you that you think that looks better than you. And now you have a, and now you're pressured to think that they are made more in the image of God than you are. It's the pressure of seeing an ad on social media on something that you really want, but you don't have the money or you don't have the things. So you say, my life isn't good enough because I don't have that. That's the pressure to think that what God has given you isn't enough. See, peer pressure isn't just intention. Isn't just intentionally someone saying, hey, you should do this. Peer pressure is the pressure of life coming into your inner circle or to your inner intention. And we have to know how to decipher or how to discern, hey, this is a good thought to have and this is just negative pressure. What I mean is, if I wanna, say if I was talking to Chris and I was like, hey, Chris, you and I should go on a run today. You know, I think, you know, we, we, we've been wanting to this and that. And I really think we should, you know, we, I really think, is that negative peer pressure? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But, and so there is good peer pressure. There's good pressure, but it's the negative one. It's deciphering which is, which is what gets us. And it's also not just your friends. It also can be in a relationship as well. You can be pressured to enter into a friendship or into a relationship that you know that you inside of yourself pressure yourself to join that, to be in that friendship, to be in that relationship, whatever it may be. Peer pressure comes from outside, but it's just the pressure of within as well. Am I going to be good enough? Am I going to be as good as that person? Because they subconsciously pressure you to say, oh man, I got to be better. There's healthiness in that, right? Oh, hey, this person I look up to, how can I become more like Jesus? Because I've seen that they have a, a, a good spiritual walk. I want to become like that. That's healthy. But saying they're better than me, they're made more in the image of God of me, all these things are mine. The enemy will literally just wrap himself over and over and over around you until you're so bound up that you can't breathe because all you think about is everything around you is better than what you actually have or what you've actually been given or who you actually are. Before I move on, I want to encourage you this week, and I'm going to go back to it, to really evaluate all of the things that influence your thoughts. Because pressure isn't pressure without a potential to influence. Think about it. If, why do I feel pressure? Why, why am I pressured? What, what creates it is that influence of saying that this is better than what you have. This is better than what you're doing. Because if it wasn't pressure... If it wasn't influence, would you feel the need to do it? Probably not. So all that is to say, um, I'll have a few teaching points tonight. 
And I'm going to kind of go through how we can be Christians and see, you know what? There's some things that people are pushing me to be better about. Maybe they're pushing you to love Jesus more, to love others more. Maybe your, your parents or someone is saying, hey, you should do this. There's nothing wrong with that as far as it, as far as it, if it lo- lines up with God's word. But the moment that someone says, well, what about this? Who, who's God? What has God done for you? Or all these different things. That's where we start to see all these feelings and emotions and all these things come up. And then the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Our emotions can get the best of us. So my first teaching point to kind of rear back into where I was going, my first teaching point is to do the will of God is to avoid negative peer pressure. Or you can just say avoid negative pressure. Now, now that's kind of like a, what? Like a, what does that even mean? Go back to, um, or I'll say it again real quick. To do the will of God is to avoid negative peer pressure. Now I'm not saying that if people are saying stuff to you, you're saying, oh, I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to, you're not going to do that. But what I am saying is that you acknowledge it and you say, you know what? This is not what God says. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. Start at 17. So I say this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. So we already see Paul is saying these people, because the Gentiles in this context, because Paul is differentiating the people that don't follow Jesus versus the people that do follow Jesus. So the people that don't follow Jesus, he said, do not live as they do. Why? Because they are darkened in their understanding, being separated from the life of God. So the thing is, is Paul saying, do not fall into the ways of the world because these people that do fall into the ways of the world are separated, are separating their hearts from God. Their sin is distancing them from God. Go to verse 26, I think it is. It may be a little time to find, but. Therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each one of you speak the truth to his neighbor because we are members of one another. Do be ang- I'm sorry, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Next verse. The one who steals, actually, no, actually, yeah, I'll hear. The one who steals must steal no longer. Instead, he must labor doing good with his own hands so that he will have something to do, something to share with the one who has need. You must not let unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need that it would give grace to those who hear. That just convicted me. I'm not going to lie. I was talking trash about someone on my way here. I was saying stuff that did not glorify that person because they weren't even there to defend themselves. How many times has someone come up in a conversation that you have a certain way about or you feel them or maybe it's your sibling, maybe it's your parents or someone that you just cannot stand. And when they get brought up in the conversation, you just say a little thing. Oh, yeah, no, 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 You realize that when we say those little things, that's not just a little little, um, blurb and it doesn't mean anything. That is right here what he says, you must not, you must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But, so he doesn't, the adverse, only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need. How often do we build up people? How often does the world pressure us to not even, the thing is, is that if someone is, 
being talked bad about, it's not the, the how am I trying to say this? If someone is being talked bad about, it's not necessarily that we're actively talking bad about them with them. The passive indifference, if we let someone talk bad about somebody, your friend, your family, and you just let it pass, what difference is it? Because naturally, if you let that happen, then you're just agreeing with them, right? Because you don't say, hey, we shouldn't talk about this like this person, let's move on. You just agree with them. And the sad reality is a lot of times we're so pressured into not wanting, not, not wanting people to not like us. We want people to love us. And, and when I say we, I mean we, trust me. We want people to love us and like us and do all these things. So we don't say the hard things because we're pressured because we want them to love us so much. But when we let that happen, we're not building anyone up. We're just tearing them down, whether we actively do it or passively do it. We need to build up the body, build up each other. And the thing is, is that if you need to have a conversation with someone that's difficult, that would be edifying or would be building up of you and them, what's stopping you? Is it because you don't want to hurt their feelings? Because we're scared that it may do something? And I have that problem too, trust me. I have that problem big time. That's something I'm preaching to myself that I need to work on as well. I'm here with y'all. I hope y'all know that. Go to uh, the verse, uh, verse, I think it's 30 and 32. We're going to, 30 through 32, we're going to finish this off. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You must, you must not, oh, hey, possibly, perhaps, kind of, you must. This is a command. Put away all bitterness Anger, wrath, quarreling. Quarreling means arguing over dumb things. And slanderous talk, indeed, all malice. Now stop right there. Now malice, malicious, and malicious, you can't really have the word malicious without the word intent. Malicious intent. What he's saying here is that not just to stop doing it, but to rid your heart of it, to take it away from your heart, to say, God, this is not, this is in my heart and it's building up resentment and anger and all these dumb arguments for no reason. And it's not building them up. Now, how does it, what does this have to do with pressure, peer pressure? Because the thing is that the world will talk about every single person around you. And we sometimes are so used to it that we don't even realize it's happening. It happens all the time. Indeed, I'm sorry, not indeed, in, indeed all malice. Instead, so that means replaced with be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So, like I said, to do the will of God is to avoid negative peer pressure. That peer pressure is to talk maliciously about people. It's to say that, oh, what I see on social media, everything is better than my life. I wish I could trade everything that they have for what I have. I wish I could be in their shoes so that I could have the money, or I could have the fame, or I could have the stability, or that I could have the, the, um, the satisfaction. But Paul says that Christ is our satisfaction. Paul says that Christ is our contentment. And the more we start to believe the lie that in our everyday lives that we need more of this 
and less of Jesus, we're losing the battle every time, every single time. So, there, um, so at one point, I can't remember where it was in the verse. Um, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but it was talking about the will of God. This is the will. In the Bible, a lot of times we see this is the will of God that, this is the will of God that you should, this is the will of God. But a lot of times people are like, oh, well, what's, my, what's the will of God for my life? It's a very big Western American Christianity thing that we hear. What is the will of God? <laughs> what is the will of God for my life? So there's two wills that I've found personally um, that I believe that are in the Bible, a, ge- a general will and his specific will. His general will, we'll go back to that. His general will consists of what we are called to do believers in general. So that means that what you see in the Bible when it says, uh, go back to verse 26, I think. I think I remembered it. I just got, had it in my notes. Therefore laying, nope, well, I can't remember where it is. But therefore laying, having a laid aside falsehood, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down, so on and so forth. Um, there are places in the Bible where it said, this is the will of God. And a lot of times, it's something that has to do with not, that's not about us, but about serving someone else or about taking away our desire, our pride, our selfishness, our sin, our insecurity. Insecurity, sitting in insecurity is a sin. Fun fact. I'm just being honest because I do it too. Sitting in that I'm not good enough is a sin. You know why? Because you aren't enough. I'm not enough, but Jesus is enough. And the moment that we let the enemy think that our enemy and make us believe that, you know what? You aren't enough. Well, yeah, I'm not enough. He's literally telling you the truth, but he's telling you in a way that defeats you. But when you say, you know what, God, I'm not enough, but that's why Jesus came down and died for me. It changes the whole script. It flips the whole entire script. So that's the general will, that we would take away malice and deceit and bitterness and anger, and we would stop living in the peer pressure of the world around us. And then there's this specific will. So that's the specific will is where we are called to, whether you're called to be, um, like right now I'm called to be a teacher. I'm kind of mad about that, but I'm having, a, I'm having a conversation with God about it later in my life, or not or recently. So... Um, um, but yeah, because when I took my EC through six, it's a test that you have to take. It's a 270 question test and it's absolutely ruthless. It's awful. You have five hours to take 270 question, te- or 270 questions. Sorry. I thought I failed that thing so bad. And I was like, bet that's my way out of education. Bet I can go into sales because I'm a salesman at heart. I'm a marketing person. And I said, and I was I was with Bree one night and I was saying, I said, you know what? I said, if I pass that test, I know that's the will of God for me to stay in education. What a dumb thing to say. Because it happened. I'm still mad about it. I mean, I enjoy education. It is what it is. But, so we have two different wills. So I wanted to name both of them so you would know, but we're going to focus on the general will because the general will is to avoid the negative pressure. It's to say, and by avoiding, I mean, yes, you can block it out, why not just cut it out as a whole? There's people that are bringing you down. There's people that are not in your life to follow Jesus. Those people, the closest people in your circle that you should not be 
closest to. I'm not saying you can't be friends. I'm not saying that you're so holy that you can't be friends with an unbeliever. I'm not saying that because how are we going to evangelize? How are we going to tell people about Jesus? But your closest friends, your five closest friends that you always talk to and look to advice for should be Christians. Because the Bible says that the wisdom of the world is folly, which means that the wisdom of the world is not going to happen or got going to work out. So why not, instead of just saying, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to delete this social media or I'm I'm sorry, or I'm just going to unfollow this page. I'm just going to stop talking to this person, just whatever. Why not intentionally say, you know what, I'm going to cut this and this and this out. Now, I know it's kind of hard to cut things out of your life just out of nowhere, to cut social media out, to cut a person out of your life. But I'm just telling y'all at your age, it's really difficult to be a Christian in y'all's school. I'm just going to be honest. When I was growing up in school, I had like FCA and we had like something else. We had whatever and this, and it was a lot easier and you could pray in school. And then we had a moment of prayer in school. Now it's a bloodbath out there. I'm just going to be real. It's rough. It's rough. So you're already having the influence of the public school system, or even if you're not in the public school system, of just the school system in general, however you learn, you have these things and these concepts and these ideas being poured into you that you can't even control. So it's our duty as a Christian to cut off the things that we can control. Because if we can't cut off the things that we can't control and they're influencing us, and then we allow other things to influence us, people or relationships or social media or pornography or drinking or smoking or whatever. We allow these things to influence us and we can control it. Now we're, we're already at a, in a worldly sense, we're in a disadvantage here and we have to cling even more to Jesus. But then if we're allowing these other things to take our attention and to pressure us into living like the world and not living as Jesus has called us to do, not living in freedom, not living out, not living in, I'm sorry, living in freedom, not living in our own minds, not living and sitting in just depression, not just sitting in anxiety, not just sitting in sin or sitting in insecurity, but getting up and say, you know what? Jesus died for me. So I'm going to live like it. I'm going to cut these things away. And yes, I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not going to say you're going to wake up tomorrow. and It's going to be all rainbows and peaches and cream. And you're going to be hunky dory and sing Kumbaya, my Lord. No, it's rough. It's rough. My freshman year in college, I was a Christian that was trying to evangelize and man, it was so tough because wow, it's already eight o'clock. <laughs> wow, I've been talking a lot. Okay, I'm gonna move on. Um, but to connect that, I was gonna be that Christian. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be at the parties, but I'm not gonna drink. Actually, I'm gonna hold that story. Real quick. So three types of peer pressure. I, I want y'all to try to acknowledge this week. The first one is the intentional peer pressure. That's the pretty generic one, right? Hey man, you should... Hey, man, you should. Hey, man, you, whatever, right? That's pretty intentional or pretty obvious. It's pretty easy to spot that. But still look out for it because it can be masked in a lot of different ways that we don't see. Oh, well, I understand that, but maybe you should. Now, we're, now it's a maybe. Instead of a you should, but maybe you should. Now, instead of commanding you and making you feel pressured, They're making you feel comfortable saying, oh, well, it's a suggestion. I think I know better than you. It's a suggestion. The second one, this one is the 
worst and most toxic one, and I want y'all to listen to me, subconscious peer pressure is a real thing. For example, um, actually, perfect example. Oh, no, nope, yeah. For example, if I go to a party, now, I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying y'all shouldn't go to parties in general because if you sit in the dentist chair long enough, you get your teeth cleaned. If you don't know what that means, come up and ask me later. It's a saying I say literally at least once a week. Um, but if I go to a party and I'm not going to drink and I'm going to be the Christian and someone asks me, hey, do you want to drink? I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm a Christian. They're like, okay, I, I understand. Um, I respect that. Uh, well, if you want one, you know, go ahead. You can, you can get one. And then someone else asks you, hey, do you want to drink? Nah, man, I'm a Christian. I'm good. Oh, it's, are you sure? Like, it, it's going to be good. Like, it, they made it real good. They're like, no, it's like, all right, cool. Subconsciously, they're already feeding your mind with the fact that you should question yourself. Because if someone really cared about your beliefs, then they'd say, okay, I understand. But the thing is, it's not just drinking. It's, look, like I said, it's looking through things and them saying, oh, you need this. And you say, man, I do need that. That's intentional on their end and it's subconscious on your part because you weren't expecting it. You weren't even trying to look for that. You weren't even in the atmosphere of that. And so subconscious peer pressure, look out for it. Look out for how people are trying to influence you with their own mindset. And that's not just the big things. That's also when they say, why do you pray? But what's the point? Then you go home, you think, dang, what is the point? Why do you even believe in Jesus? All this bad stuff happens in the world. Why? There, there are hard questions that people ask subconsciously that make you start to think. And if you're not grounded in God's word, it will hit you like a freight train. It's done it to me. It took me years of having to dig to get to where I am. It's rough. And lastly, lastly, there's one more. It's atmospheric. Now, atmospheric peer pressure is, they're like, you know what? Hey, I respect that. You're good. You're good. But then everyone around you is doing that very thing. So now you feel like an outcast and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm by myself. I'm alone. I want friends. So we do that. So we do their things so that, oh, it's not that bad. God will forgive me. But God says to put that stuff away. Jesus says, why do we return to the vomit that is the very thing that made us sick in the first place? Friends, I tell you this, and I know it sounds like I'm screaming at you, because I'm always screaming anyway. But I'm telling you this because I've lived those lifestyles. I've lived a double life. I've lived the peer pressure of wanting everyone to love me and to not be alone at night thinking I have no friends and I have nobody and I just want this one thing to work out. Got, it got real, real quick, didn't it? If I haven't seen, if I, if I haven't said anything that stuck with you, I know that did. Because the truth is, the pressure of the world is heavy. Whether you're 12 or you're 17, pressure of the world is heavy. And when you lay your head at night, there's a lot of times we let that pressure get so far deep into our spirits that we start to question God's truth. And we put it below everything else. So how do you fight it? Second point, you have to stand on God's word more than you sit in temptation. I'll say that again. You have to stand on God's word more than you sit in temptation. We have to stand on God's word and say, God, you say I should flee from youthful lusts. 
And I need to get up and leave this temptation. So if you're in a situation, say if you're in a group and people are trashing everybody, literally say, hey guys, I gotta go. And dip, if you can't find it, literally actively move. Because the truth is, the longer you sit in that temptation, eventually you will fall in it. That is the reality, especially if you're alone. Especially if you're alone at night and no one can see what you're doing behind closed doors. Especially if you're alone at night and all you can think about is how you're not good enough. You need to actively move. If you need to get up at 10 o'clock at night and say, God, and get on your knees and pray, say, God, help me through this, then do it. No one, first of all, probably no one's looking. You're in your bed alone. Second of all, you will start to see God move in your heart and in your, in your life, and you'll see him to start to open your eyes to things that you didn't before. Let's read Matthew 7 real quick, verses 24 through 27. So Jesus is talking about here, he's given different things. He's talking about don't judge, don't be a false prophet, all these things. He's given a guide basically on different things on how to live. And this is one of them. And then he comes to this arrival point. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock or on rock. What? (laughs) Wait, what? Go back. Oh, what? The rain fell, the flood came and the wind beat against the house, but it did not collapse because its foundation has been laid on rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against the house, and it collapsed, and it was utterly destroyed. I hope I don't break something doing this visual aid here. Please, Lord Jesus, help me. Please, God, protect me. Give me a second. So, stay right there. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the flood came and the winds beat against the house and it collapsed. You're not good enough. Why do you even follow God? Why, Why do I even do this praying thing? Why do I go to church on Sundays? What's the point of it? Oh, I'm alone, so I might as well just indulge in this sin. Oh, well, people say this about me, so I might as well believe it. God, I don't know why you put me in this. God, are you even who you say you are? That's how you end up. Crumpled, beaten, battered, defeated, bruised, because you let the words or the actions of someone define who you were in Jesus. Their words do not define who you are in Jesus. Their actions do not define your worth in Jesus. Your thoughts, the enemy's thoughts that are trying to replace God's thoughts to you, do not replace your worth in Jesus. Jesus loved you at your best day and at your worst day. Now that doesn't say that he calls us to live in the worst day, but he calls us to step out and to say, this is my worst day, but Jesus, I'm gonna give it to you anyway. But go back to the uh, 24 and 25. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against that house, but it did not collapse because its foundation had been laid on rock. Aaron and Chris, where did Aaron go? Chris, if you'll come up. uh, I don't know. Yuvia, if you'll come up. Thank you for being here. That's clutch. Let's read that again. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell and the flood came and the winds beat against the house, but it did not collapse because its foundation has been laid on rock. Oh, you're not good enough. 
Didn't budge. Oh, why am I even doing this? Didn't budge. Oh my gosh, why, why, is, why has God made me this way? Didn't budge. Why do you even pray? It didn't budge. You know why? Because the foundation of this is infinitely more times sturdy than this. The thing is, is this is a representation of the word of God. Whenever the enemy tries to tell you that Jesus, his sacrifice wasn't enough, whenever the enemy tries to tell you that you're not enough in Jesus, you say, no, 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 no. That's not what God's word said. God's word says, I have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. God says, for who can be against me in Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday. You, when you start to sit on God's word, you can then stand on it as, his, as your cornerstone. But the thing is, is that what are we going to choose? Are we going to continue to live in these mind games and these circles of, oh, well, I'll get up in the morning and I'm guilty of this. Don't get me wrong. I'll get up in the morning and I'll just you know, I'll do this and whatever. Your walk with God should not be as nonchalant as what you're going to have for breakfast. Let me say that again. Your walk with God should not be as nonchalant as what you're having for breakfast. Your walk with God should be the deepest, most profound, most important thing in your life. And when you place it in its right place, when you place your walk with God in the place that it needs to go, then God will do the things that he's promised to do. I mean, God is faithful throughout. Even when we're not, God still doesn't change his character. But there's a point of saying, God, I'm going to stand on your word and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be crumpled by the world anymore. I'm not going to let the world dictate my thoughts or my own insecurities dictate my thoughts or what I do behind closed doors dictate my thoughts. So there's this, there's this pressure whether it be from your actual peers in your circle or your everyday life of saying, you know what? Like, I'm just, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I just, maybe Jesus really didn't die for me. Maybe, maybe this whole Christian thing's a fake. Maybe I am just a product of some random thing that is not true. I'm tired of people your age and my age believing that it is. You were bought with a price. Your sin and my sin separated us from the God that created us. But Jesus can restore us. But the world will say he can't. So what are we going to choose? Are we going to keep, are we going to, the reality is some of us will go home and we'll fall into the same thing. That's the reality. And I'm just being, I'm being clear with y'all because I've done the same thing. I always speak from a point of testimony in these situations because I know what it's like. Some of us are going to go home and we're going to have the same thoughts. We're not going to read our Bibles. We're not going to pray. We're not going to reach out to anybody because it's easier to just sit in our sin and to sit in our displacement and our discouragement. But what if we changed the narrative? What if we said, you know what? Not anymore. What if we said... I'm going to live how God has called me to do, whether it's I have to cut off a friend, I have to cut off a significant other, I have to cut off this sin or this thing, even though it's going to be difficult, I'm going to cut this off because I know what Jesus has for me is far more satisfying than anything. Is it worth, is that sin 
worth your separation and heartache? Is that thought, that continual thought, worth your identity in Christ? I would say it's not. With your heads, <laughs> heads bowed and eyes closed. I almost said heads closed and bowed, eyes bowed. I love myself. Um, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask, um, I just want to ask God first, God, I just pray that you would just continue to move in our hearts and show us, God, if we're sitting in peer pressure and we're letting the way of the world define who we are in Jesus, if we are letting the way of the world define our thoughts and our actions, God, convict us so we may draw closer to Jesus. But like I said, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to ask you, have you allowed the pressure of the world identify you? Have you let the pressure of the world replace your identity that's supposed to be in Jesus, but it's in something else? Have you let the pressure of your own thoughts and the enemy's lies run you rampant to where you feel like you can't even take a step without feeling like you are unworthy and like you are feeling like you are disgusting and like feeling like you are nothing. Has the world and the enemy convinced us that? If you're wanting to take a step, just a small step and say, Jesus, I'm going to not live in the pressure of the world, but I'm going to live in the righteousness of your truth. If that's something you're wanting to do, just slip your hand up, raise your hand. It's not raising your hand to say just to raise your hand, but it's raising your saying, you know what? I'm gonna take a step and acknowledgement that I need Jesus more than I need the world. Thank you for being honest. All right, we're gonna take some time it's 8.15, we still got some time, we, we're technically over time, but I know that God is also wanting to teach us something, some things to hear. So if you need prayer, if you need to take a moment with God and write down, maybe type down on your phone some things that you need to cut off in order to be free from the pressure of the world, then take that time. Church isn't just a seven to eight encounter with ourselves or with a building. Church is the encouragement and the gathering of other believers of Jesus so that we may be encouraged, empowered, and emboldened to go preach his kingdom to a dying world. But how can we preach his kingdom to a dying world if we're letting the, the pressure of the world kill us first? So if you need prayer, if you need to be honest with Chris or Yuvia, myself or whoever, or if you need to just sit down and write some things, just say, God, this is what I'm going to get rid of. And then tell someone about it. So that way they can hold you accountable. And we're going to take that minute. We're going to take that moment. So y'all can come up and ask for prayer. You can come on and you can have some, you can type stuff down. Just do what you need to do. Because right now, this is the moment where we are trying to seek Jesus and step away from the world. That we become more like him and less like ourselves, that we would be in unity with him and not in the loneliness of our own thoughts. We would be honest with ourselves and not just play the Christian role. 
The American church plays the Christian role a lot. It does. And God doesn't call us to play the role. He calls us to act the role, to follow what that really means. That we wouldn't just come here and just say, you know what? I'm just going to leave and nothing changes. But that we be honest. Take some time. As the song goes on, take some time to write something down, to ask for prayer, whatever. I'll be down here as well. Turn up the uh, music a little bit, James, if you would. Well, hey, thanks again for tuning in this week. We really hope that you were blessed by today's message. Why don't you consider sharing this message with a friend who may need it? And if you really liked it, subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages like this one. Remember, you are loved. Have a blessed week.